The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> it's probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson, sitting across from me this week, joining the podcast for the first time in a long, long time. Jacob Padilla, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. Um, kind of late night podcast for us here, um, but I've got plenty of energy here to close this one out. You have a, you have a Mountain Dew tucked away in your backpack. Just in Is case that I for need the it. Drive home. Just in case I need it. <laughs> we were recording this on a Thursday evening. Um, Jacob and I just finished up over at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Nebraska lost to Michigan State. Hey, full full disclosure. It's ele- it's after 11 p.m. I don't think that qualifies as the evening. This is a late night episode of the Varsity Club podcast here. So if things get a little wacky here, uh, it's not our fault. Fair. Okay. Um, we are going to talk about basketball. That's why I have you here. I want to talk to you about this basketball team. We, we haven't really talked about them at all in this podcast, like in depth over the course of the season, which is probably merited uh, because after the first month or so, it was like, all right, these guys, Fred had a comment in his post game tonight. He's like, we are who we are. Or what, what? What was the comment? Same old story. Same. I mean, it's it like like I do these three takes things after every single game, and I'm like, it's just really hard to come up with anything original at yeah. this point. It's the same thing that keeps costing them games. That was the headline of my gamer. Same um, old story. Same old story. There you go. Um, so so we're gonna get, get into basketball in a minute. First, I want to touch on um, news of the week. Jonathan Rutledge was announced as Nebraska's. Um, newest, his title is Senior Special Teams Analyst. That was announced on February 18th. Um, just a quick recap on Rutledge. He spent two years each at Memphis, North Carolina, Missouri, and Auburn. Each stop had a top 10 special teams unit by S&P Plus during his final year there. So the thinking is that he can get it turned around. It's interesting that he's a analyst instead of a special teams coordinator. He's not a full-time assistant. Nebraska had all 10 assistants already filled out, so he is an analyst. If you want to read more about kind of what that means and just his background, we have something on our site, hillvarsity.com, for you to read. Also, find and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Drop us a review and give us a rating. Uh, I would greatly appreciate it. Jacob. Yes. Nebraska is now 7-19 and on the year. They're two and thirteen in Big Ten play. They have eleven straight losses. New program record. New program record. Breaking the it was ten set twice. The last time Nebraska lost ten in a row. Do you know who the coach was? Fred Hoiberg's grandfather was the correct. Coach. Jerry Bush, nineteen sixty two, sixty three. So it runs in the family. <laughs> and yeah, and breaking uh Fred's Losing record or losing streak record at Iowa State as well, which was ten straight in his first season. What are your general thoughts on this team right now? Uh, it's just not very good, <laughs> and they're not improving in the areas that they need to improve in to to make progress. And 
obviously they they're going through stretches here where they play really good basketball and uh, Tom Izzo credited Hoiberg and Nebraska for the first half game plan and the effort and they were right in it they tied it up Deshaun Burke just went off late and tied it up before Michigan State hit a late three um, to go into the second half up 39-36 and then in the second half shot stopped falling and just got away from them and that's what kind of what we're referring to is the same old story is they just cannot put together 40 minutes of good basketball and when things start to go wrong it spirals completely out of control and that's what happened here is they they had like three or four or five uh, good looks from three circle the rim and pop back out or catch back iron and right on line but just wouldn't fall and then they miss a, a few layups too and then suddenly now you got guys pressing taking off the dribble jumpers and forcing stuff up in traffic and then suddenly three or four empty possessions turns into five six seven eight empty possessions and then the other team scoring the other way and suddenly the game's out of reach and that's what happened in this one again and this happened in almost every single one of these 11 losses during this losing streak yeah what is it they've been down by 14 i believe 14 in each game i think it's i think that's what it is something like i think that's yeah do you want to start on defense or do you want to start on offense (laughs) so we'll start on on defense okay i've got thoughts on defense that i've said yeah. all season long yeah. and when you were like nothing has gotten better i'm like literally the same thing over and over and over and over again i'll start with the positive here though they were active defensively they got a lot of deflections a lot of steals they blocked some shots uh in the first half um and basically the guys that killed you were um gabe brown who had shot three of 14 from three over his last seven games and then Justin Ahrens hit, hit some threes, too, in both halves. And he's a guy who hadn't taken more than two threes uh, back since December. And he went four for six. Well, this is a thing that keeps happening. Yes, it is. You say positive. This is a thing that keeps happening. Michigan State shot 48% from three tonight, 13 for 27. This after happens, they started two for 10. This happens game so, after game after game. That's 11 to 17. or uh, 11 to 17, I believe it is, they finished the game. And it's strategic. It's strategic on the part of Nebraska. I just don't understand it. So they're, they don't believe, with good reason, that they can man teams up. And uh, they, they feel like they've got to double the post. And when that happens, it leads to uh, scramble situations. And there are a couple times where Nebraska doubled, they, they kicked it out, or um, and Michigan State just made all the right passes, and Nebraska got there just a second late on the contest. And Brown, I know, was in that situation a couple times, knocked down a three. Uh, and if you've got a team that no, that spaces the floor correctly, knows where they're supposed to go with the ball, and can hit the shot, then there really isn't much you can do. Well, so here, but, here are the two things that I don't understand. Two is, for a defense, yeah. better than three. Yeah. Why would you not just give up the post? I don't understand why they're playing the numbers game that they are. And the second thing, why Nebraska can't keep people in front of them on the perimeter? <laughs> so It's not like they're small. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're small, but they've got decent length. They've got decent athleticism at their perimeter spots, and they're playing a small ball lineup. So theoretically, you should be switchable, and you should be able to keep people in front of you. Yeah, well, for one, it starts at the point of attack on defense, and that's your point guard, and that's Cam Mack. 
and very poor defense. Yeah, I think that that the next time he stops a drive will might be the first this season. Um, So right there is an issue. A guy like Deshaun Burke can really heat guys up and use his length and get uh, get in guys' grills and uh, be aggressive at times, but. Uh, a lot of time he'll end up gambling as well. And then not when he doesn't get it, that gives up the open drive. And then you've seen some ball screen situations where um, either they, the guy hedges out and gets stuck out there and can't recover in time. There was one today where Ivan had a really good hedge and forced him out to half court, but they got the pass out and uh, got it in deep to Xavier Tillman before Ivan could get back in front. And he just kind of gave him the bump and finished a little bit. So they, it, there's a lot of a lot of issues right now, and it starts with individually. Just guys have not been able to play well enough around the court. You've got guys like Hanif Cheatham at stretches this year has played well defensively. At others, he hasn't. And there are guys again like like Mac who hasn't played well defensively at all outside of some some steals and passing lanes and that that kind of thing. Uh, and when there's one weak leak out there, everything else kind of falls apart if you can exploit that. Two guys have a positive net rating this season for Nebraska. Can you guess who those two guys are? Uh, Thorier, Thorby Arnerson. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he ha- he has a positive net rating despite the second worst defensive rating of any of the rotation guys. I I, I should know this because I just read your story and I think Cheatham. There it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a 107.1 defensive rating, but a 109.4 offensive rating. Not great. Uh, Kevin Cross is a minus 15 net. Deshaun Burke is a minus 13 net. Cam Mack is a minus five net. Uh, Jervé Green minus 12. <laughs> yeah, and Ivan minus 16. Yeah, and that's mostly your rotation right there. And what is the defensive potential for this group going forward? Because you have written about you, – you had a really good feature on the three sit-out guys yeah. this year, the three redshirt guys. All three of those guys have length. All three of those guys have at least intrigue yeah. defensively. So so is this a situation where this is just like this team is just in, in kind of limbo until those guys get available? Or is the defense something that you're genuinely concerned about moving forward? A little bit of both, I'd say. Like you say, what what's the defensive potential of this team? And this team, there is isn't one. I think we're late enough in the season that um, I don't think we can expect really much to change. Again, they well, I, yeah. I should I should yeah. rephrase this group for yeah. Hoiberg going forward. And, and the, the reason this I say that is, cost. yeah. And the reason I say that is because next year is going to look a lot different than this year in terms of who's out there and heck. Pretty much everybody on this team, minus Hanif uh, Cheatham at this point, who we know isn't coming back, you're fighting for minutes right now. You're fighting for your role on the team heading into next year. Um, n- none of these guys should be safe. Even Camp, like that sidetrack, we've we've got to talk about Camp Mack. You want and, to just do it now? Yeah, let's, let's just get that out of the way. Um, so we talked about the defensive problems, and for a while there, he had was so good offensively and ma- was making so many things happen that you can live with the defensive limitations. Now limitations. Yeah. He's uh, not playing. That, yeah. He's taking he's taking possessions off defensively. Yeah. And w- the point you were trying to get to yeah. is it's fine when he's producing so much offensively, but his last 5 games, 0 points, 13 points, 4 points, 8 points, 2 points against Michigan State. 
He's shooting 10 for 49 in his last five games. And he's been really good this season about not turning the ball over. But some of the decisions that he makes, some of the passes that he makes, they, like, lead to turnovers for his teammates. It's so strange, some of the passing. He just... It's like he passes just to pass or he tries to force something or he tries to make the the cool highlight play instead of making the smart play. So many times he has a shot for himself that he doesn't take because he passes to a guy who's double teamed. Yeah, well, so I, I, I tossed this out to our editors uh, as uh, I kind of wanted to just write this as my entire gamer. But sophomore walk-on Jack Hoiberg outscored Cam Mack today. That Michigan, that's Fred's son, uh, Fred's son playing for Michigan State. He had four points. Cam had two. There's your ball game right there. Jack played five minutes. Cam played 30. Uh, you said that's 10 of 49 shooting for 27 points uh, in his last five games. Like, so not only is he not scoring, but he's still using up those possessions. He's still taking 10 shots a game. And I, I get what you're saying uh, on, on some of those passes, and there definitely are. Uh, some tonight, uh, I know the transition, he had you kind of put Hanif Cheatham in a tough situation, a one where a quicker pass would have made it easier. Um, a couple others were, um, got kind of Ivan in the middle and that, that was kind of the game plan a little bit too. And he did make a couple plays in that spot because they were, um, trying to get the ball out of his hands and being aggressive on those ball screens. Uh, so he's hitting that pocket pass, but yeah, twenty-eight assists to eleven turnovers over that stretch. So he still That's is good. he still is making plays for his teammates. Again, six assists, no tur- he was not credited with the turnover today. Um, so that part's so good. He's still making plays, and who knows how, what could that assist number be if guys could finish layups and make open threes at even an average rate. Like he he'd be way up there in assists. I guess the thing is, you watch him play, and he. Ceiling wise, could he be the best player on the floor on any given night, regardless of who who he, they're playing? I, I uh, pretty close to. It. I mean, he's done that several uh, handful of times this year. Like, he he just goes through these stretches where he just looks so disinterested, where yeah. he looks, and, and and that's kind of where we're getting to the point where we're in the danger zone. Is if there's one thing, one good thing out of this season early on. All right, so the two things that I said I think you could count on, this was 10 games ago or whatever, five games ago, whatever it was, Cam Mack and Thorier Thorbjarnarsson and the way he had been shooting the ball. Uh, Thor 0 for 5 today, so side note, he's had some down games, but he's still, for the most part, still shooting well over 40%, so he's been fine. But Cam is kind of the one thing that I thought they were going to be able to count on, and I didn't think he was going to score 20 a game efficiently. I thought there would be would be some nights where uh, the shots weren't falling or whatever, but I didn't think it would be consistently this bad for this long of a stretch. And that is a serious issue. So you thought this was your one building block going into next year. Like if there's one guy that had his spot cemented with all the guys coming next year, it was Cam. So now you got to worry about where his head's at. Like you said, just based on the body language, um, the way he's been tweeting recently, um, uh, just kind of the way he looks out there, the way he's playing right now obviously he's a guy that's always kind of had his eyes at the pros or whatever level that is. Like, obviously that's the ultimate goal for him. So this is the guy that you have to kind of figure out. You got to figure out the situation. You got to get him kind of back going it and you got to get his head back in it. You got to get him feeling positive about just the whole situation where this team could go. 
He's a guy who wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah. He's a guy who plays with a lot of emotion. I think, is the biggest thing for him just maturity? Uh, definitely. And he is important to remember, he's just a sophomore. And um, he's a guy that in one year at the junior college level and now is playing his first year at Division One level. Um, and you, you said, see, the way he wears his heart on the sleeve, you could see the joy of these guys earlier in the season after the wins, especially after some tough losses when they were able to finally, hey, we got this one over the hump. Those guys were really excited after the game. They're out on social media. They're out after the game, um, happy as can be, celebrating. Um, that It's, again, 11 straight now. So we have not had that positive reinforcement. Those guys have not felt that in a long time now. And I think that frustration, and even today, Ivan Wadrago said um, – He's not really. They got to figure out. It, it can be tough to find that motivation, but they got to. They got to keep doing it. They got to keep practicing hard. They got to keep trying to pump each other up uh, until they can get that next win to kind of end the streak. And for everybody, they just got to find a way to get that done. Just for the for everybody's sake, the the mindset of the whole team, finishing this season, going into the off season, um, just kind of that that proof of concept. Like, hey. Um, this isn't completely broken. If we do this, these certain things, despite everything that, thing that's happened to us, we still can have success. Find something that gives you a little bit of positive momentum getting yes. into year two. Fred, in, in his first year at Iowa State, they were 500. Yep. I don't think anybody expected Nebraska in, in his first year to be over 500. Do you think the power players inside Pinnacle Bank Arena – are shocked to see that Nebraska is going to be so far under 500. Do you think they expected this? Because because everybody keeps pointing back to that Doc Sadler tweet. I don't have it in front of me, but it yeah. was before the season started, where he effectively said like, "Hey, this is going to be a major work in progress for us. So just stick with us." Do you think they expected this? I don't think anybody expected this, and we've seen. It's not like these guys are getting beat by 20 every single game. Look at that Maryland game. They, sh- they went toe-to-toe with the top 10 team and almost beat them at their place. So, like, there Did is— Did the same to a top 25 Rutgers team on the road. Exactly. Earlier in the street. One the streak. step back three away from winning. Like, they've shown there's something there. They just have not been able to put together that kind of effort against a lesser team or make the one or two more plays that would have made the difference to get the win in those games. Uh, so, I, I think I don't— Yes, I think everybody expected uh, struggles once he kind of got the guys together and saw what he had. I don't think anybody expected 11 straight because that's something that, again, has never happened in this program before. And it's not something that Hoiberg's gone through before. Um, like I said, 10 was the most in that Iowa State uh, season. So, and even that, they, they, I mean, they played a week non-conference, but they still got the 16 wins that year. Right now we're sitting at seven. So this is, I think this is kind of surprising everybody, um, and the fact that they haven't been able to fix it. Like, I've, I mean, that, that's a simple, simple phrase of just fix it. But the fact that it is kind of the same problems over and over again, they haven't found a way to overcome that. Um, I think that's kind of surprising to Hoiberg and probably the people around the program as well. But like you said, that uh, like we were saying that they need, they just got to get over that hump and get that one win. And then maybe they can uh, close out the season w- with some reason for optimism. But <laughs> losing, they got to find a way to get it done. One of the the problems that has kind of been a 
nipping at their heels all season long is their ability to finish at the rim. You asked uh, pretty early in the game if anybody was going to have any questions for us, and Andrew um, at Husker Power 66 tweeted, is there any mechanical reason that Nebraska is struggling scoring close to the basket, or is it all mental? The missed layups are beyond frustrating, he said. And the, the like if, when you watch the games, yeah. it's like, why are you missing so many layups? So they're shooting over the last – over the losing streak, they're shooting 55.6% at the rim. So that's including layups and dunks. 159, nope, nope, 170 of 306. So they're, they're above 50%. But Which, what is good in the 60 on to, those shots? Yeah, in the 60s percentage-wise, 60 to 70 is kind of... The, I think the best in the league is around 70 or above when I looked at this earlier in the season. And Nebraska is barely over 50%. So is it mechanical or is it mental? So there's both. And there's some, it might just be talent issues at this point. So there are some guys like Cam especially, and I think Deshaun as well. Guys don't. Russell! (laughs) We have the Rockets-Warriors game and they put a graphic up showing all the goodness that Russell Westbrook has done in his last eight games. Yeah. And I have the perfect guy sitting across from me to yeah. have that graphic across the screen. Yeah, and uh, Houston is currently up 30 points <laughs> with seven minutes to play. Sorry. Oh, here, as comeback Russ, begins. Turnover Westbrook. Westbrook. Okay. <laughs> anyway, you, you back on track. Yeah. Sorry. So um, from a mechanical sta- standpoint, there are some guys that can't use their left hand. They can't use their weak hand. You look at you go back to that Michigan uh, that Michigan game where they gave up the big run. Cam had two shots at the basket with his left hand. Great moves to beat the defense, get to the rim, and he just couldn't finish it. Threw it off the backboard with the left hand. There are times where Deshaun Burke tries to shoot back with his right, going to his left hand over the defender where there's where the contest is there, as opposed to finishing. Um, like, was the finger roll tonight from Cam? Was that with his left hand or his right hand? Uh, the one he that missed hit one the that was dropped. point blank. Yeah, yeah. That, between the uh, yeah. So he missed that. It was the right hand, right in front of the rim. Finger roll it. And then Cassius Winston went down and made one. Cam went down, missed again. Um, so that's kind of the the season in a nutshell there. And um, so that that's part of it. Like from a mechanical standpoint, guys just need to get better. They need to be able to make better decisions, and be able to use both hands around the rim. And then you see a guy like Jervé Green, and he just has never has not been able to adjust to playing at this level at this point. There are so many times where he makes moves to the rim, and any little bit of contact or any little bit of off-balance, uh, him kind of getting off-balance there, he can't finish it. And we see it pretty much every game now, and it's kind of becoming a running thing that now where it's like, I, the spin moves and kind of the blow, like he's physically, he's capable of getting there, but I don't he's understand. getting himself yeah. past his defender. And then, like you said, just a little bit of, of being off balance. It just throws and he his shoots entire it hard shot off the, the backboard yep. and over the rim or whatever. Yep. And then Ivan Wedrago, who, how many Miss Bunnies has he had this season? And he's a 17 year old kid playing in the Big Ten, which yeah. that's part of it. He, I will, today, I, he didn't miss any bunnies today, did he? No, I thought he was fantastic. Uh, yeah, he had 10 points, 7 boards in his first start after coming off the bench the last two games. And I thought he he played pretty well off the bench as well after losing his starting spot to Kevin Cross. And But that's a guy that, like, we, we've seen the same thing with Jordy Shimango where 
that's devastating to an offense and to a point guard, in particular with Cam, where he gets him a wide-open look at the rim, and for whatever reason, his hands, the coordination, the ball just doesn't go where it needs to coming out of it, and um, that that's a serious problem. So you've got a lot of guys that are struggling with that right now. Um, I think Hanif Cheatham, Hanif Cheatham's been a really good finisher this year. I don't think anybody else on the team, Kevin uh, Cross was, um, when I had, the last time I wrote about this, Kevin Cross was finishing at a pretty good rate, but he isn't in that situation a lot. He's popping a lot more often. So that's a lot of guys. That, and then and then Cam's kind of leading the way, the Cam and Deshaun. I think, I think the adjustment for them has been to move him out of the paint so that they have those one-on-one opportunities or those driving lanes. Because when Ivan's on the floor, I mean, Cam has either got a contested layup or he has to drop it off to yeah. Ivan because he just, just doesn't have anything. So I'm curious if that um, – how do you – Michigan State forward Thomas Kithier? Yeah. Is that how you pronounce yep. his name? So there was a play tonight. I think, it was, I think it was Winston that gave him the dime. It was a laser right into his chest. And in like one super fluid motion, catches the ball, and he's right under the right side of the rim, catches the ball and instantly goes up with it and gets an easy two points. Boy, Drago was was right there next to him, and I was like, "That, that's what you need to do. Yeah. No more power dribbles. Stop bringing the ball down. Catch, go up. Yeah, and it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. But to your point, and to the point of everybody else that says the foundation, you can see the foundation being set." That's just a 17-year-old kid that's having to learn fundamentals and having to develop. So it's just one of those things where you're just going to have to wait for it, I think. I have one more question that I want to ask you before we get to anything that you want to talk about. Nebraska's shooting from the perimeter. It's a staple of Fred Hoiberg's. I asked you during the game, I was like, do you think shooting can be taught on the whole, not just on a case-by-case basis, but on the whole? That's what they believe, and shooting is something that obviously Fred was known as a shooter when he was in the league. Um, those Iowa State teams shot great. No Iowa State team that Fred Hoiberg coached shot below 35%. His first season, they were at 37, then they were at 37, then they were at 37, 36, and 36. This Nebraska team right now is shooting 32% from three. Nine times this year, they've shot below 30% in a game. Are you concerned at all about the three-point shooting? Because sometimes it's open looks generated from pretty good offense that they're just not hitting. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So much so that I was actually going to be writing about that probably this weekend. So <laughs> look out for that uh, for more of a deep dive. But that is a major problem. And like you read off, it's not like they're a team that shoots 40 plus percent from three to have success in his in, in his system. Um, High the, the, 30s. Yeah, the pace and space. You take a lot of threes, but that'll create a lot of uh, other opportunities as well. Driving lanes and transition layups and all that kind of stuff. So it's not a team that lives and dies by the three. But the three-pointer is a huge part of what they do. And when you've got guys like they do this year where um, Ivan and Kevin and these guys that aren't necessarily uh, a guaranteed two at the rim, that elevates the importance of that three-point shot that much more. And it just hasn't been there. Even in this game, you had uh, uh, Deshaun Burke in the first half go off and and shoot really well. Uh, He he had four four, or seven. Uh, yeah, he was 4-7 four, four, in the first half after the heat check at the end of the half. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were 5-14 of 14 
which isn't great, but it's above that break-even part that's 35.7%, and they're right in the game. And that's after Michigan State hit seven of its last eight threes. They started two for 10 and finished nine of 18 in the first half. And they were still in it. Second half, they shoot three of 18. That's ball game over. And it, even with uh, Burke kind of going off and getting hot, then you've got Thorier Thorbjörns and one of the uh, the best shooters in the Big Ten this year, 0 for 5. You've got Cam Mack missed both his. And he cheated on 1 of 4. Jervey Green, 2 of 6. Uh, Kevin Cross, 1 of 5. So you got some guys taking some good volume there, and just nobody was going outside of Thorby Arnarsson. And so moving forward, it's going to have to be better next year, but there are some questions about that as well. You've got the guys in now. Shamil Stevenson, 37.5%, his, uh, his uh, first, first full season of playing there uh, at Pitt. So that's solid. Not a huge number of attempts. It's like 40 attempts in 30-some games. So a little over one a game. So he's not a guy that's going to be hitting five, six threes a game, but he's a guy that can space a four and knock down a shot if you give it to him. So that, that'll be important. But Delano Banton, three-point shot, was one of the biggest uh, weaknesses that he needs to work on this year. And he had some mechanical problems that Fred has to iron out. So you don't know what you're going to get out of him. Is he going to handle the ball? Yeah. It kind of like I keep the things that I'm reading about him are that he's going to be a, a, a initiator of the offense. I, yeah, for sure. well, it's, and when they play, so many guys, they space it for um, a lot of different guys get a chance to handle the ball. He's obviously he's going to be a guy, I think, he, a lot of grab and go, a lot of steal and get out on the break, um, a lot of that kind of stuff. And he is a guy in the half court, I think, that they will run some stuff through. I want to see a six foot nine guy running a pick and roll with his, uh, the guy setting the pick for him smaller than him. That's what I want to see. Yeah. I cannot wait for that. <laughs> Uh, Kevin is what three inches shorter than him. <laughs> we'll give him two. I, six six versus six eight. I think. Um, Delano's skinny, so he looks taller than he is. Okay. But uh, so yeah. But so that's, that's Kevin Durant. That's that's gonna yeah. That, so that's the that's a big thing. Um, those guys, and then a big problem here is Jervé Green is a guy that shot thirty eight percent on high volume at junior college. And now he just can't throw it in the ocean. And I twenty nine percent. I even mentioned to you like it looks like he's got a high release, good follow through. The ball looks good coming out of his hand, but it just never ends up where it's supposed to go. And it's wild some of, how hard some of the misses are, and the ball just kind of ends up all over the place. And that not translating has been as big of a killer as anything this season. In addition to Deshaun Burke's ridiculously cold streak, he was five of forty. He went. He shot four or seven against Purdue. That was back in mid-December. 13 games since before tonight, 5 of 40. Mm-hmm. And that included 2 for 4 in his last game. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that is a serious problem. And because he he's playing four big. in the first half tonight. Yeah. 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 It's so, a major problem. You're right. uh, and then Cam, I think he's – Cam has been about what I expected him to be. He was 33% of junior college. He's had some games where he's shooting well. Then he'll fall right back off and go through some cold spurts. I never expected that to be a strength of his. He's a guy that's supposed to be feeding the shooters. But right now, outside of Thor, they don't have any shooters. Kevin Cross has taken a lot of threes, and they are not going in. And Hanif Cheatham isn't a three-point shooter. He's a slasher. Um, he can occasionally knock down an open catch-and-shoot look, but um, he's not a guy that you can count on for high-volume threes. So 
they're just this this team isn't built to play the way he wants it to. And next year, that's a question as well with the guys coming in. So Teddy, I wonder Allen, how yeah. much. Sorry, not to. No, you're good. No, I you're wonder. Good. I wonder how much what is going on right now impacts that because they get down, they they start trailing, they they start pressing, and then they just start hoisting threes. They what teams are able to do to them is Nebraska wants to live in transition, and Nebraska wants to push the tempo so much that when the opponent can effectively slow things down, I've noticed like Nebraska just tries to go down and in the first five seconds of the shot clock shoot a three. They try to force the tempo yeah. back up with bad shots. Yes. And a lot of those are just pull up or off the dribble threes. Yes, absolutely. And Hoiberg mentioned it tonight. And a lot of that goes back to uh, the shots rimming out and you get good looks and get nothing out of it. Looks like it should go in. It's halfway down and it pops back out and they're going down and scoring the other way. So now you, you've put that pressure on yourself. Like, all right, I got to This has to go in. I got to go make this shot. And I think Deshaun Burke is as bad as anybody. And uh, uh, in terms of that, as far as forcing up a shot and thinking, all right, I got to go create a look here. I got to, I got to, I got to make this shot, and that only makes things worse. And they haven't, and that goes back to kind of the lack of a proof, the proof of concept that all these guys being new is when things go poorly, you don't have that shared history of success to fall back on and to know, no matter what's happening, I have got to stick with the game plan, um, and it'll turn out fine because they just don't have proof that that's what will happen so they again they just kind of it spirals out of control from there what were you going to say about teddy well and just kind of looking at jervey green is like so teddy's a guy in high school his junior year i covered him while he was here at boys town for two years uh junior year uh high school he shot like 40 percent from three high volume he's dudes pulling up from half court uh he was ridiculous senior year um he was down kind of in the low 30s and uh, take it, he takes a lot of bad shots, so maybe uh, taking some better ones would improve it because he's playing down C1 or whatever in Nebraska. But that freshman year at West Virginia, uh, he made a handful of threes all season. They didn't want him taking that shot. They didn't empower him to be a shooter. And when he did get looks, he just didn't have any confidence. And I talked to him about that. And this year he's shooting, again, 40% high volume out there at Western Nebraska. But so was Gervais last year. And we've seen what happened with Gervais. So a big key for next year is if got a guy like Gervais can hit in the up or a guy like uh, Teddy can hit in the upper thirties, close to 40 from three. If a guy like Shamil Stevenson can shoot close to 40% upper thirties from three, cause you've, you've got a lot, again, the bigs, I don't, maybe a second year Kevin Cross can shoot better. Derek Walker's not a shooter. So that's one another guy you're adding. Delano Banton has not been a shooter. So some of those guys that you're adding. Lotman kind of goes back to the same thing, though. He's a, the stretch for the other junior college kid coming in, shooting 40% from three. But again, junior college and Division One in the Big Ten are two completely different things. So you're kind of – you're riding you're, – you're betting a lot on these guys being able to translate um, their junior college success and kind of what they're doing in practice to the court once they get out there to be able to turn this thing around in one year. The thing working in favor of a guy like Teddy or, or a guy like Shamil Stevenson is that they were at other Division One schools yeah. first yes. as opposed to being in JUCO. So they've they've had that experience. It's not the Big Ten, yeah. but they've had that experience at, at this level. And, and And we'll figure out whether shooting is actually something that, that they can effectively teach. So I am skeptical, but mostly because I've been watching Andre Robertson break threes for 
15 years. So. And, and you said like not case by case basis, but I, I don't think you can really separate the two because there are plenty of lost causes that no matter what you do, it's just not going to work. Guys just don't have the touch. Um, they just don't have the ability to be shooters. But there are a lot of guys that are not even not even talk about turning guys into great shooters. It's guys that you can improve to be good enough to where they can hit the open shot when when they get it. And I think that's kind of what Hoiberg's hoping. And he's had a history of um, getting guys to where they needed to be. He's confident in his own ability because he's done it before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think there are some of these guys that have the touch. Um, Delano Banton, that's a guy that I think he needed to rework his mechanics some. And we'll, we'll kind of see what he looks like next year to see if that's happened. Um, a guy like Shamil Stevenson, I think his mechanics are fine. It's just a matter of reps and maybe if uh, Hoiberg sees one or two things that he can refine. So that two completely different situations there. But I I would have liked to see uh, Hoiberg get a full year with Deshaun Burke as opposed to just kind of the spring workouts um, to really kind of work on that because that was one of the things he needed to improve during his – he needed to add weight and improve the three-point shot coming here from Robert Morris during his redshirt year. Still pretty skinny, and we mentioned 5 of 40 from 3 over 13 games. So that didn't really get done, and that's kind of why Nebraska is where it is right now. Seems like a good place to stop, Jacob. I'm ready to call it a night. You good with that? I'm good, yeah. Cool. Thank you for uh, – because you still have an hour left, so thank you for giving, <laughs> giving me some time and coming over here after the game to record this podcast. I appreciate it. Yep, yeah, well – Hope it was a good one. <laughs> now, now you have an hour drive home. Man, I wasn't even thinking about that until just now. You still have an hour left. It's 45-ish minutes. Okay. Well, now I, don't feel, now I don't feel as bad. I'm going to take up another 20 minutes. Readhailvarsity.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will have all your coverage throughout the weekend. Men's basketball is not playing. Not till Monday. Not till Monday. Women's basketball is uh, also in a similar situation as the men. So, Uh, games are starting to get a little bit more spaced out as we get closer to the conference tournament so just keep reading hillvarsity.com we'll have a couple of things women's basketball senior day is on saturday so i will have something on that and then uh, we will have some stuff sunday morning so we'll be back next week with another podcast thanks guys